Everyone, welcome back to the Beyond the Arc podcast. Once again, I'm here with my co-host, Yash. Yash, how are you doing on this Monday evening? Doing great. Excited to talk hoops. Yeah. Um, right now, in-season tournament is going. I actually have on a different monitor right now the Pelicans jazz game pulled up a little bit. Um, you know, Pelicans are an interesting team. We'll talk about them in a sec, but I just want to get your thoughts, Yash. Like, what, are, what are your overall opinions on the in-season tournament, the, you know, the first annual in-season tournament for the NBA? Great. Uh, going into it, I was I was a fan and just because you know who's who's gonna say no to potentially more competitive, more entertaining basketball, and I don't think they've disappointed in, in that regard. They definitely delivered. Like uh, the players themselves have come out and said it. Like it's that the environment of the tournament is bringing out the, the competitiveness, the energy uh, out of teams, out of players, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And you know the, the, through this tournament, we're seeing a lot of uh, you know young teams that maybe may have not uh, had a chance to play competitive basketball get the opportunity to do so now uh looking at teams like houston and um, new orleans and you know it's it's been a lot of fun yeah i think anytime you can bring out more competitiveness because the regular season just in years past just is drawn on and like even at this point of the year by like i feel like last year it was just like these games are just kind of just no, just another game, you know. But I think with the in season tournament, there's a little bit more of a, a little more energy around it, like, like you said, right? Uh, which is pretty pretty cool. And I think coming out of the in season tournament, there's going to be a bunch of storylines in terms of oh, who won the in season tournament? Like how does this play out in terms of like projecting them moving into the playoffs? Um, so you're gonna you're gonna be able to carry some of those storylines through a little bit, get you through the regular season until. Um, the playoffs start to hit the, that the end of the season period though when teams are kind of doing all these different things and you know some teams just want to lose and they're not playing anyone that, that gets a little scary what are your thoughts on the whole thing about like you know the rosen came out and said something about like running up the score and like tatum that like that sort of stuff like what are your thoughts on that i mean obviously those guys have competed at the highest level they i mean they they know a lot about a lot more about the, the fire that goes into the game and, and whatnot the respect and stuff but I mean, being totally honest, like in the past, like without this in-season tournament format, when when guys would run up the score at the end of the game, like you can see why it would be disrespectful uh, to to the nature of competitiveness. But like, you know, it's literally written in the rules. Like the the point differential for those of you that don't know, it, it plays an impact in the standings to break like tiebreakers and whatnot. And so it definitely plays a factor. And so you know. When it's when it's a part of the game, like worked into the game, like, I, yeah, I I I don't like a lot of like DeRozan's been the first player to really come out and talk like this. Like a lot of other teams and players, they've understood that that's just part of the format. But then again, I don't think it's it's that big of a thing. Like I, I think it's DeRozan who's just frustrated with you know both the both season and and that loss in general. It's just it, it's just his way of uh, funneling it out, you know. How the Bulls have fallen since that first year when Lonzo was playing, and I think it was three. Was that so? That was our freshman year of college, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you know, only like three, two and a half years ago, basically. I don't know. I love watching that team, and I wrote a bunch of articles about them. Like, um, that was like first when I kind of started writing more NBA stuff, like more consistently, and that was one of the first teams I kind of locked in on because I thought it was super interesting. Like, um. Yeah, now, <laughs> now they're blown up. <laughs> they're gonna get blown up. Uh, hopefully, you know, co- more Kobe White minutes for uh, for Chicago. I think he's gonna have a breakout year if uh, he gets the opportunity. Um, but yeah, definitely gotta 
definitely probably need to move on from this team. I saw like some stat, like the Levine de Rosen Vucevic, I think is like net rating like negative 13 or something like that. Levine said it himself earlier in the year. He's like, you know, we're a team with three all stars. We got to be better. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think even in that, like, it's there's, there's some debate to that statement itself, but yeah, I mean, maybe there's a world where this team's a little bit better, but there's the ceiling's not there. And you give it Wendell Carter Jr., you give it Franz Wagner, and oh man, okay, that's that's that is tough to see. I mean, yeah, uh, anyways, um, you know, we had this Pelicans game pulled up, and then you know, me and you were talking before the pod, um, so I think moving forward, we want to kind of do this thing where like the interview segment will bring on someone who maybe covers that team a lot uh, or follows that team really close closely like we, we do today with with uh itamar who uh avid follower of the houston rockets also does some written work covering them and he knew i mean he knew a ton about the rockets i mean i was i was pretty astounded by like the amount of knowledge he had about um just the rockets overall just like recalling plays off the top of his head and stuff i mean that was pretty pretty dope to hear from him yeah, no, Itamar is one of my favorite follower, followers on Twitter. Like, he definitely knows a lot about basketball and in Houston in general. And, you know, it's it's definitely something you guys should look forward to later on in this in this segment. It was a great talk. Yeah. Um, before that, we got to figure out which team we want to cover next. And I think we agree. We should, I wish we could do, like, a wheel thing. Like, maybe, like, randomly select the team. <laughs> that'd be kind of funny. We can just do Pelicans for now. And then maybe down the line, we can spin the wheel. I think that'd be a fun exercise. We can preview the Rockets interview a little bit more. It, I don't want to give away too much of what goes on in the interview, but a you know, really great start for the number one defensive rating. Uh, offense is still getting there, but yeah, I thought it was a really interesting conversation, especially, I mentioned this a little bit later, but the whole thing about um, the development now, you're kind of, I mean, you're accelerating, but I think you're also like kind of concentrating your development on Sangoon and Green. And you're not, you know, you don't see Cam Whitmore. You're not seeing, I mean, Ben Thompson's been hurt, but you're probably not going to see as much as him, you know, versus like last year. You're playing everyone for the Rockets. You're playing Usman Garuba. You're playing all these young guys and the team's just terrible. And like, what kind of development is that versus like concentrating on this? I think that kind of whole debate is kind of interesting because you're looking at like Pistons right now who are really struggling and like, how much is this really helping their development as a team? For sure. And, you know, there's a lot of chatter about Houston's, I guess, process in, in terms of roster building. Like, they brought in the veterans, Van Vliet and, and Brooks, and even off the bench, you know, they, they paid for uh, Jeff Green and Jock Landale. Uh, there are questions about the fit, but, you know, right now things are clicking. It's, um, of course, early in the year, and, you know, teams are still – um, or other teams around the league as well are, are still figuring out their uh, their, their scenes or chemistry. But, but you know, right now they're Houston's playing well, and it was a, it was it was a good talk on, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, um, yeah. Stay tuned for that for interview with Itamar, and thank you for listening. Thanks for coming on, Itamar. How are you doing as well? I'm doing great, man. Excited, excited to get it started. Yeah, and you said you're joining us from uh, Israel. Yeah. Okay. It's 4 a.m. over here. Oh yeah, so they they should coming on this early, man. It's not it's not easy. I don't know if I could do a podcast at four AM, but you were saying though before that, like this is kind of the time when, you know, you have to watch NBA games because if you're an NBA fan, you know, um somewhere else in the world, not like in North America, the times don't always, you know, match up super well. Yeah, I mean it's if you want to watch it the games live, like I know a lot of people here just like record the games and then they try to like not check anything about them, and then once they get off work and they have free time, then 
they start like watching when they don't know the score but to watch it live it's uh yeah it, it takes a commitment yeah we can start with this how did you get into basketball and like uh following like the houston rockets yeah actually it was from nba 2k uh i i really enjoy playing that game it was in like 2016 i want to say and I had all these players on my team and I was like, all right, I don't know any of these players and I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy this sport. So I started getting more into the NBA, watching highlights, learning about the history. And then I, I wanted to pick a team. So the team I enjoyed most was actually the Warriors, but they just won 73 games. I mean, I wasn't going to root for the team that also won the championship, the year prior. Like there was no fun in that. No, no fun in that. So I was like, okay, I want to pick a good team, but not a great team. And then I saw the Rockets. They they were pretty good. And uh, James Harden was an absolute joy to watch, which I know is a pretty contro- controversial opinion, apparently. But uh, his passing, his dribbling, his shooting, I was uh, I was amazed by that. And uh, yeah, that's how I picked the Rockets. And uh, things went on from there. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of seen all like iterations of this franchise within the past, you know seven years going from um so at the beginning was that that was hard was that hard in like no Dwight Howard anymore like Dwight Howard was gone at that point or was Dwight Howard still on the team yeah it was just when uh, Dwight Howard left okay so it was like kind of Maury Ball era yeah going into the rebuild that was kind of the the air even falling and now there's a little bit of a resurgence right now which I'm sure we're gonna talk about today Yash if anything yeah. Yeah, no, it's just uh, growing up a Warriors fan, like growing up in Bay, like I definitely respect that. Like, uh, I definitely like back when those battles were heated between those two teams, I definitely did hate Houston and Harden. I have to admit, but you know, looking back, I can appreciate the greatness. And you know, Houston was definitely a, a great team to select. Well said. Itamar, we can start here. How is this team comparing at this you know relatively early portion of the season? But how are they comparing now to like, you know kind of what your expectations were at the beginning of this year? You know, it's funny, like it was, I think, a day before opening night, I was asked about the expectations for the team. And I was like, I was, I tweeted that I'm honestly not as high on them as many on the fan base. I thought they were going to win like 28, 29 games. And like, that's, that's nice. Like maybe even 32 if they get lucky, but nothing crazy. But uh, they're going to reach that mark uh, by early March or, March or something. Because, I mean, they've been so much better defensively than I expected. Like, the offense has kind of been, like, below average, kind of, which, that was my expectations, but the defense, I mean, every, like, the effect Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet have had on the team, the, that's, it's been crazy to watch. I mean, Jay Sean Tate, it's somebody who, the entire, almost the entire fan base on Twitter, he want, they wanted him gone. And I, too, I was, I wanted to watch Cam Whitmore get these minutes, Tari Eason get more of a run, but honestly, like, Jason Tate has been our best defender off the bench. Uh, it's Jeff Green. I mean, I was like, his signing was kind of like an afterthought, but he's been our back, backup center and he's been so good defensively at 37 years old. So the entire team is playing above expectations and it's been awesome to watch. Yeah, I think the whole thing with how well they're starting right now is like, um, like they're playing above expectations. Like what is going to end up being kind of their their median level outcome? Like maybe is this team performing like, you know, above their heads right now? Is that the case? Or is, is this kind of the level where they're going to be able to sustain this, stay in this play-in range between seven to 10 um, the rest of the year? So me and Yash, we had this idea to, you know, t- 
because the Houston Rockets have been doing so well. So we're like, okay, let's let's look into them over this next you know week and a half, two weeks. Uh, we'll watch the game. So we've been watching all their, their more recent games, kind of seeing how they've been doing. Um, Yash, I'll throw it to you. What, what, what have been kind of your observations so far? Yeah, no, like uh, Ithamar mentioned, like the defense is definitely what stands out. Um, you know, they're coming into today's games or, or today being like November 26th. They're second in the NBA defensive rating and they're doing it by committee. Uh, like it's not like that one standout like defensive player of the year, caliber defender. They have a lot of uh, guys that, that fit that scheme, that play aggressive physical defense. Uh, like we have Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, as you mentioned, at the point of attack. Uh, but what's been exciting for me is like even seeing the young guys um, and maybe guys that, you know, didn't have established reputations, like contribute on the, on the defensive end. Like Aaron Holiday was a big contributor in the, uh, the game I, I saw against the Warriors. Like he's, Someone that's earned Ime Odoka's trust defensively. Um, it, it's clear that he has sort of an, an idea in mind for uh, you know playing guys that compete on the defensive end, especially on the perimeter. Um, and so, like seeing guys like uh, Aaron Holiday and even Jalen Green like step it up in recent games. I know Ethan uh, tweeted about that as well. Uh, like seeing them defend by committee, use the size, length, and athleticism, um, whether that comes with their youth. To uh, p- putting it to use functionally on the defensive side of the ball has been uh, really exciting to see. Uh, and Shingun is another name I'll throw out there. Like as a as a young guy that's stepping it up defensively. Like uh, he, he like I, I just feel like him and Jokic have parallels offensively, which have been well documented. But even defensively, I'd say like he has pretty good feel on the defensive end. Uh, like they're mostly running him in drop coverage, but he like and he's no standout athlete. Like can't make up for plays. Um, and so the way he can really get stops is by having sound positioning. And for the most part, he's done that this year. And um, he's, he's, you know, he, along with everybody else, has come together to put together the success Houston's had defensively. Yeah, just for some overall statistics right now, as of um, November 26, the Rockets are number one right now in defensive rating in the NBA with a 106.8 defensive rating. And they're number 20 in offense at 111. Um, point nine. So uh, overall, they're sixth in uh, net rating right now. And I mean, just based off, you know, what you saw from this team last year in that state, you know, number one in defense is not something probably many people would have expected at all um, going into this year. So I mean, a lot of credit to, you know, Ime Udoka, because obviously you bring in a Van, Fred Van Fleet, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, a lot of these veteran guys kind of instilling that culture because um you know, that wasn't really there last year with certain guys that had like a Christian Wood, a Kevin Porter Jr., that level of accountability on defense. And he's kind of brought that. And, you know, he's not afraid to bench, you know, the number two overall draft pick, Jalen Green. You saw that in the, um, what game was that? He got benched down the stretch for uh, Aaron Holiday. It was a game, it was a game they lost. I think it was Golden State. He got, he got benched down the stretch. They played Aaron Holiday, who's also been really good um, as of late too. Just like defensive tenacity, shooting the ball, a little bit of secondary ball handling. Um, but yeah, I mean, try, I'm trying to figure out where to start because there's so many different aspects about this team that are so interesting right now. Um, here we can start with how we started this. I mean, this is kind of the, their notable player, Jalen Green. So, you know, he had a rough start to the year. He's picked it up recently in terms of just scoring output. Um, so Edomar, what have you seen from Jalen Green so far this season? Yeah, Jalen really did have a rough start to the season. He's kind of been a player who's good situationally, but it's not like a basketball player, like he, like things didn't come as naturally for him. 
as they do for many other topics. So, I mean, Ime talked about it a lot. It's about learning to read and react, to, to really know what to do in certain situations instead of like having, uh, you know, to predetermine his choices in pick and roll or whatever, uh, to instead like, you know, read what the different, how the defense is playing you and then react. And we've seen over the past few games, I mean, this is the best passing stretch he's probably had in his career when it comes to kicking out to shooters. He's always been like, he's been a pretty good interview passer since he was a rookie, but he's been kicking out to shooters a lot more, like punishing aggressive nail help. And defensively, he's buying in, and it always felt like Jalen Green was a better defender. It was capable of being a better defender than he actually was. I mean, there are examples from his rookie season where he was guarding, I think it was Anthony Simons and Tyrese Halliburton really well. But he just wasn't consistent. He was falling asleep off ball. And he still has those te- tendencies sometimes, but it's it's been much better. Uh, it's also, it's really like, it feels like Ime Yudoka, what really is, is like bringing him down and then building him back up. So to really like change the way, because under Steven Silas, the offense was a lot of just random stuff, just like what the players wanted. It was too much freedom for guys who weren't, who didn't know what to do with it. Like, if you were trying to run that offense with James Harden, I'm sure he would appreciate it. I'm sure it would, it would look great because James Harden is an excellent decision maker. And that's what Steven Silas came to coach. But uh, with Jalen Green, with Kevin Porter Jr., without structure, those guys just kind of went rogue offensively a lot of the times. And now he's playing in a structure. He's, I mean, at the start of the season, Jalen Green was kind of, like getting like four, st- four starter type usage, fifth starter with the actual starters out there. And now it's building back up to where he's one of the main offensive weapons, even with Alperen Shengun, Fred Van Vliet out there. And like, that's what this team needs. I mean, when in the first couple of games, I mean, they had that huge winning, that six game winning streak. For me, it's huge because, well, I've gotten used to 20 win uh, seasons, but they had that streak and it was because the defense was amazing, but for the Rockets to really hit their ceiling and to have a, to be a good team on both ends of the court, it takes Jalen Green to really assume that role of an offensive star, offensive, uh, on the, uh, of offensive star. So it's been progressing there and it's been, it's been great to watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keeping an eye on Jalen Green. So I, I the, some of the games I watched was the Golden State one where, you know, he, he got benched down the stretch. The other one was when he had that huge scoring outburst against the Nuggets when his shot was just, it was just raining for him. Like coming off a pick and roll, like shooting that pull up three confidently, coming off like stagger screens. Like he was getting his points from anywhere, anytime he wanted, getting to the basket, using athleticism to finish. And that's like a flash, you know, of what he could be as a scorer, like a, a true three level guy that has like probably one of the most bouncy two guards in the league. I mean, just by nature of that, he's going to be a, you know, a really good player. Um, I, I think what's helped him on the offensive end, at least, is just like like you're talking about. There's a little bit more structure, um, like Van Fleet, you know, Dylan Brooks, even Sangoon. Like they're they're helping him out offensively, um, in in the numerous ways, and they're very subtle too. It's just like in terms of just ball movement, the ball getting side to side. So he's not attacking like a set a set defense that knows exactly what's coming. You know, the ball is moving side to side. He'll catch it with you know like a there's an empty corner next to him with him doing a two man game with Sangoon. Like there's more. Situations like that where his his offense is coming more in the flow of the offense versus him just trying to create from like a, a stagnant position. So I think that's really helped. And then just a little thing I've noticed too, um, like Brooks and Van Fleet, and like now they have a lot of these veteran guys who understand the importance of screening 
um, just like off the ball screening, stuff like that. Cause screening, I mean, you, you get yourself open when you screen. So there's a player I remember in the, in their Denver game where like they're running Spain. And usually sometimes if like the bigs kind of far from where the back screener is, the back screener just slips out, goes to the top of the key, but Van Fleet made an effort to go over there, make contact on Jokic, which set himself up for a, for a three at top of the key. And that's just not something like if you had Kevin Porter jr. There last year, that's not something he was doing, like making an effort to do. So just like little stuff like that adds up and it, it creates a more, I think like cohesive offensive system for the, for the Rockets as a whole. And Jalen Green's the benefactor of that. I also think yeah. that he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that he's also shifted his approach himself to be more patient. Like, I think he's not looking necessarily for like the, the first or second look, but he's also, he's surveying the floor and making the right read. Like, uh, I think someone tweeted this, but Jalen Green has a career high finishing uh, at the rim this year just because uh, a lot of it is because he's, you know, serving the floor and not necessarily taking it into the big uh, when he's in the paint, but sometimes playing off of two uh, and, you know, being more patient and, and serve and, you know, look, looking for the right play more often and more often than not. And uh, I think that's been a big part of his, uh, you know, his, his continued success throughout the season. Yeah. Isuaro, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Just like about, about Jalen? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm the guy who tweeted that. I'm not. I'm not certain, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been kind of jump stopping, like especially playing of two feet. Where instead of just taking a bad shot against the contest, I mean, he's been like, stopping and then either surveying the court, fading away, or just going up quickly and then drawing fouls. I mean, one thing from Jalen Green that even under Steven Silas, like every the, the main even style like factor statistically for him. It's been that he's been drawing fouls at an incredible rate. I mean, you you look at two guards who have drawn uh, fouls early in, in the, their career as well as him when it comes to free throw rate. It's basically just him and Shea Gilgis Alexander. So it's always like Jalen already had like a couple of star indicators that he's needed a coach to really, you know, he needed also a coach that will show him the way and also he needed games to actually matter. I mean, last year it felt like like, even if he took a bad shot or something, I mean, why does it matter, really? I mean, they're going to lose or even they're going to win. Even if they win, it's going to be like, what, a 24-win season instead of a 23-win season? It didn't actually matter. It was all about getting your stats and just, like, having some fun out there. Now it's actually true basketball and uh, you can see the results. Yeah, and I think that shift you're alluding to in terms of playing, like, real basketball, I think that's a trend within a lot of the rebuilding teams. Cause I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, you had a bunch of teams just like playing all these young guys, like their teams were just, it was just terrible basketball. You look at the Rockets, Thunder were a little bit better, but not great at that time, just from a talent perspective. Pistons were really good. Portland, when they were tanking down the seat, like towards the end of the season, like it was just kind of bad basketball. And I feel like there's a slight trend in the NBA right now where teams are kind of realizing Maybe that's not the best way to like rebuild is by playing all these young guys with no structure and just build bad habits. Like you want to put them in an environment where you have um, more veteran players, a, a coach that they you know respect and will listen to, and that'll implement a system that plays to their strengths and you know lets them help develop as basketball players. I think there's something Tim Connolly talked about with uh, Tim Wolves. He was like, because at that point before they made the Go Bear train, as he was coming in, I mean that was still like a kind of like a rebuilding team, and then. Uh, he comes in, he's like, 
you know, the best way for us, we feel in terms of development is by putting these pe- these guys in situations where like winning matters. And that kind of helps breed development. Of course, you need to have that uh, Anthony Edwards, a Jalen Green, you need to have that type of guy first. Uh, but once you're there, like kind of building it up, like bringing in Fred Van Vliet, bringing in Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, like those are all really important steps in terms of a, in terms of a rebuild. Yash, you have anything to add? No, I think that's, uh, yeah, so that's, I think we covered Jalen Green to a pretty extensive extent. <laughs> I think, uh, we, we, should we talk about Alpine? Like, I think he's been, uh, oh, you know, the young guy has just been arguably the most important factor to the success this year. Should we move on to him? Yeah, go for it. Um, you want to start off or eat tomorrow? Do you have, who wants to start? I mean, I'll start. Lead, lead the way tomorrow. We get, we get... Yeah. Uh, Shango is really been like the head of the snake from the opening tip, really, uh, of the season. It's pretty incredible. I mean, if you asked any Rockets fan, at least on Twitter, of from the first two years of Shangun's career, the usage of him was driving us crazy. I mean, he wasn't getting the ball much. Like, he wasn't... I mean, you got the ball to Shangun, and then suddenly you used him as a hub. The offense suddenly looked good, and then they stopped doing it. It was absurd. But now, like, I saw a tweet from uh, Matt Moore that tweeted that Ima Yudoka is looking great by doing something incredible, which is giving the best player the ball more and giving lesser players the ball less. And it's really part of the success, at least offensively, is as simple as that. Shengun is just, it's, it's such a tough cover one-on-one. He's an excellent playmaker. And he's been really, I mean, it's hard to even say how good he's been for 21 evolved. Like, that guy is younger than Chet and he's doing things that are that, that just spe- special offensively. I mean, basically every night, the touch he has, I mean, he's now bringing a one-legged fadeaway. He's added a one-legged fadeaway to his game. He's got, like, he's uh, attempting a lot more Jokic floaters. Also, sh- some more frees. I mean, it's it's been an excellent season from Shangun. Defensively, he's stepped up. He's being... Uh, I mean, honestly, I think Shangun has improved defensively this season especially when it comes to his effort level. But honestly, the main reason Shengun looks better is that his guards are no longer lifting him for dead, leaving him for dead inside. Like Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green, they are dying on screens. And then it's, okay, Shengun, Shengun stop the Avon Fox and Domantun Sabon is like uh, together two-on-one with no help. And then, I mean, sure, Woody Gobert can do that, but like that's just extremely difficult and it's unfair to put him in that position. So now he suddenly looks better. And the Rockets defense has succeeded partially due to like some some shooting luck. But still, I mean, that defense is... They, they might just stay top five all season long. I mean, Shengun is also a big part of it. Like, to go from where he was considered last year as a black hole defensively to somebody who is like the, the, start, the only big in the rotation... Of, aside from Jabari Smith, who may be a forward, maybe a, a big, uh, of, of the best defense in the NBA statistically. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, that could just goes to show you like how important like team circumstances. Like people had these assumptions about Sengun. Oh, he's the black hole on offense. Like, oh, he's a bad defender. But like, there's ways on the basketball court for that guy to succeed. You just need the right players around him. And I think you're you're seeing that right now. And Yudoka's kind of empowering him. Uh, when I was watching like that that Denver game, I know you always hear the Jokic Sengun comparisons, but they have very similar 
sort of games in the post. I mean, Sangoon isn't as big, but like he has the same sort of like, you know, crafty footwork, up and unders, like get to his hook shot. Like his touch isn't there. That's the same as Jokic. Like he kind of saw that on one end versus the other. Like Sangoon would do like kind of a similar move to Jokic. He just wouldn't make the shot. But like they have kind of the same same sort of game in, in that sense. Do you see a lot of similarities between those guys eight tomorrow? Like, um, or do you not totally agree with that? I mean, yeah. I mean, Shengun has also said Jokic is his idol. That's the player he grew up watching. Also part of the reason why he defends him like incredibly well. It was very wild to watch. Uh, so there are definitely similarities. I mean, offensively, he's adopted uh, the little uh, float, the hook shots. I mean, he's getting into players' body offensively uh, really well. The passes, being as a hub, even now he's running some inverted pick and rolls. I mean, with uh, Fred Van Vliet in Jamal Murray's place, place, defensively he's playing higher up. Not always, but I mean, there are positions where he hedges like Jokic does and just uh, is being more aggressive defensively. There are definitely a lot of comparisons, uh, comparison points. He is smaller than Jokic, which will always unfortunately be a factor. Just when it comes to defensively and offensively, how hard he has to walk, maybe for his shot, when Jokic can just shoot a lot of uh, centers with more, far more ease. But he is also something that's kind of under-talked about. He's more athletic than Jokic, and, like, it shows. I mean, he's got, like, whether it's dun- offensively dunking or protecting the paint in, in transition, I mean, Shengun has some actual, like, bounce to his game that's really helping him as a wallman, so he doesn't always need those little push shots and everything like that, because he has some posters in his career that would, that would they would kind of shock you. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never really thought about that in terms of just athleticism. Yash, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I think, no, that's a great point. That's something I've thought about as well. Uh, and I think, like, the athleticism also, you also see it in transition. Like, I think... Uh, you see more possessions of Yo- of uh, excuse me, Shingun like grabbing and going coast to coast than you see Nikola Jokic just because you know Shingun uh, he's quicker with the ball in his hands he's uh, you know able to apply himself on, on in the open floor better and I think that's where you you see more Sabonis than Jokic and and so I think like I even tweeted this last year like I see um, Shingun is more of a Jokic Sabonis hybrid in, in some ways uh, rather than just one more than the other. Um, and another point I was going to say is like with the, with the, like Jokic and like the Sabonis, another aspect of the game that I think Shingun has is like just as a role man, like he's able to, he doesn't necessarily have to roll all the way to the rim to, to get an opportunity, but he can roll short and, you know, either get a floater or, you know, work into a post up similar to how Jokic and, uh, you know, Sabonis can. And, you know, that was always a question mark for me. Like I see, uh, or in the past, I'd see like him you know, scoring out of the post. I'd be like, you know, th- 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 I definitely see that. But like pick and roll scoring is, is something that was a question mark for me. But I think we're, we're seeing a lot of that this year. And uh, we're even seeing the one-legged fadeaway out of the, the the pick and roll as well, where he just it's sort of like Embiid, where he gets the ball in the middle of the floor and he's uh, just able to rise up in his spot. So it's been fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Isam, I want to, since we've talked about Jalen Green, Sangoon, um, do you think these two guys are good enough to be the face of this team when they are ready to compete for championships? I know it's a, a tough question, but it's, a, it's an important one for the team to consider at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely a tough question. It's, it's impossible to be certain right now. 
I mean, the one thing I'm maybe certain about is that Shengun is going to be an all-star, a multi-time all-star in his future. But other than that, I mean, Jalen Green may never get over the hump of his decision-making issues, or maybe he's, uh, he's going to blossom into being a Devin Booker type or a Bradley Beal. So it's, it's too hard to know, but the Rockets have time to figure it out because their timeline is not Fred Van Vliet's time, timeline, it's Shengun's. It's Amen Thompson, who's also like pretty good backup option if Jalen Green doesn't walk out all right he, he, here comes the most athletic basketball player I've ever seen uh like Amen Thompson or uh, you got Cam Whitmo who somehow fell to 20 I mean they have they have options uh so it's about just having the time to figure out and you're not really gonna know the answer to that until you see them in the playoffs I mean and not even not not in the first playoff one I mean it's a team that it takes time it takes time to know it takes time to learn so but I'm not like they probably won't make any rush rush decisions like when it comes to trading one of them one of the young uh, pieces because it just doesn't really make sense to to do that. But they're gonna take their time and as they should we're gonna learn it we're gonna learn I mean how how good every every player is. It's just their second season for like for Jabari Smith for Tari Eason who have been excellent defensively. I mean Thompson and Cam Whitmore haven't gotten a shot so. They have time, and uh, hopefully it all uh, works out in the end where it can be like a Warriors-type of uh, building, uh, team-building exercise where they, the, their championships were won by guys who were drafted in-house, like Steph Curry, Harrison Barnes, Clay Thompson, Draymond. They drafted all of them. If the Rockets can do something like that, then it would be amazing. Yeah, sorry. I, sh- I don't like asking that question. Like, I, it's just like an easy way to say it, but it's like, of course, they like, you can build a team around them. It's just like, what is the level of difficulty for that roster construction? Like, is it feasible to put like the correct roster around them? So, like, in theory, you always can. It's just like, and that goes for any player in the NBA. It's just a matter of like how difficult it would be. That's probably the better question or the better way to frame it. Um, yeah, Yash, you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I agree that we'd, we'd have to wait a little more because, uh, again, this is their first or it hasn't even been a season yet where they've, uh, you know, been able to play in this winning environment, um, which, again, can, you know, hit or make or break a lot of these guys' you know, star trajectories uh, if that's what they're on. Because um, And I'll, I'll, one thing I'll add as well is, is in the environment of winning, like development is a little harder to come by uh, just because, you know, there's, a I guess, less like a short shrunk margin of error when it comes to just you know developing certain aspects of your game uh, so that's also one thing to consider but uh, I think it's already encouraging to see guys like Jalen Green, Shingun, uh, even though he's, he was already you know, a great player last season uh, seeing guys like that like already have such a, a sizable impact to the Rockets success this year and you know even as someone that's looking like outside in as a uh, as just a fan, like it's, I think it's encouraging just to see that you know those guys have bought in, and it just makes me more optimistic that you know they can continue to build on this and uh, grow and develop as this team continues to grow as well. Yeah, I mean it, it's tough in, in terms of the, the the way you talked about in terms of like development, like shorter margin of error. Like the way I'm kind of thinking about it right now in my head is like let's say you do what the Rockets do as a team and you bring in these veteran players. I feel like at that point your concentration or your your develop is more concentrated on a fewer amount of guys versus like what you did with the Rockets like 
in years past, you're playing all these young guys, just young guys everywhere in your rotation, which is more like widespread, kind of giving everyone a shot and see who kind of fleshes out. So I think that's like kind of the two different ways of thinking about it. Like, I mean, of course, the Rockets are not trying to like win right now. It's just, I, I feel like having that structure allows you to concentrate on focusing on those top end guys, which honestly is probably the most important part of your franchise moving forward. It's just, who are those top two to three guys, even top one guy that are, is going to carry you into the next phase of what you'd say, like the Rockets being a competitive, like team competing for championships and like, how can you build that guy up? So I know that's just two different kind of ways of thinking about like the rebuild, I think is becoming more and more prevalent with you get the Thunder kind of doing the same thing right now. Um, Timberwolves kind of got out of that era, the Pelicans, like there's a lot of teams kind of going through that um, right now. And yeah, we need to talk about like Cam Whitmore or, um, Tari Eason or like Amin Thompson. And I think all those guys, you know, I mean, Jalen Green, Cam Whitmore, decision-making backcourt. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that'll work. But Amin, Amin Thompson, I mean, if he plays anything like Asar, and, I've, and they, they play kind of similarly. Amin's a little bit more on the ball, but like the way they can cut, the way they're so good with their hands and just athleticism, how they impact the game without even being able to like remotely shoot the ball right now is pretty amazing to me. Yeah. Um, Itamar, you have anything to add? Yeah, I did want to add about uh, Jabari Smith. If there was a guy who was really surprised me this season, it's him. Because, I mean, I can't... Jaden really is putting up the same num- same numbers as last year. Alperen Shingun has been amazing, but like what we knew that he was going to be uh, play like really well once he actually got the ball. But Jabari Smith, I honestly think he was like a bottom 15 player last season. He was pretty horrible except for like a seven game stretch after the all-star break it got to a point where he wasn't shooting open freeze he wasn't guarding almost anyone i mean it was bad now especially since getting benched for jeff green in the fourth quarter of two uh, rocket wins he's bounced back incredibly well and defensively especially like one adjustment that ime yudoka has made that he's gone using him to guard the perimeter a bit a, a lot more Jabari is 6'10, 6'11, maybe, but he, he doesn't, he's not actually a good rim protection, protector, unfortunately, at least not consistently at a level where you would want somebody who was like playing center to be. But on the perimeter, I mean, he can move his feet. He's really been showing that a lot more this season. He's being disciplined. I mean, using his length to contest and also being more, a bit more physical. I mean, a problem with him, with him was that like he just let, uh, I mean, there was a possession from game two of the season where Jeremy, Jeremy Sohan just bullied him inside, like from the three-point line. And it wasn't even a post-up. He was just driving and Jabari was giving him all that space. Over the past few games, that hasn't happened at all. And offensively, he's hitting his freeze at finally the rate that we expected. The mid-range shots have been uh, awesome. He's getting to the to the to the paint more than he did in college. I mean, he's driving on on uh, smaller guys, being more of a force on the glass. It's been improvements all around that have made him ter- have turned him from one of honestly one of the worst high minutes player in the NBA as a rookie to someone who actually is con- contributing to po- to winning basketball, being a positive on the court for one of the be- for a playoff team in the West. So that's been a massive jump, and it was really. I mean, I was very concerned that, like, Tari Eason, for example, Tari Eason was statistically our second best player last year uh, behind Changun, like, when it comes to the impact numbers, the on and off. 
data. And I was uh, I was expect, expecting him to take that starting spot from Jabari. It looked like it in the I think that if Tari didn't get injured, then he probably would have like gotten the starting spot early. But uh, Jabari got time to work out uh, his issues, and now uh, he's looking like he's somebody who I think really really benefits from that winning environment. I mean, Jabari is somebody who you can see it, it's so important to him. Like he's one of the most he might be the most competitive guy on the entire team. Uh, him and Dylan Brooks, so it's it's been really great to watch him uh, blossom as a, as like a fourth, fifth starter on a good team, and hopefully now we can also expand his usage a bit more. I mean, the Rockets bench lineups have been pretty bad. If, I think that if they get Jabari Smith to be featured more, like as a face-up threat from the mid from the mid range, that can help, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, I remember me and Yash were watching him in Summer League when we went to Vegas this past year. Did you go to Summer League, by the way, this past year? Uh, Itamar, did you go to Summer League? I mean, I, I didn't. I haven't been to Las Vegas yet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, it's a fun environment. You should go, but... Yeah, I should. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were there in the building when Jabari yeah. hit, the, hit the buzzer beater against portland the buzzer oh, beater from like the almost like not half court a little bit closer than the half court but like where he just like caught it turned shot and like that game was kind of rough for him um right. until like later in the second half i think he was getting to the basket a little more hitting some more of his mid-range jumpers but they, they weren't falling first half and then you know he comes down has the you know the, the composure to hit that type of shot and win the game for your team and that was that was a pretty cool thing to see from him and then um yeah, I agree with all the things you're saying about Jabari. And if he wasn't, you know, a positive player right now, he probably wouldn't be starting. The Rockets probably wouldn't be in the position they are now. So just like even looking at big picture, like a high minute, you know, he's their high minute four, which wing spot's a really important spot. If you have a huge negative guy, like a bottom 50 guy like he was last year, like you said, I mean, they probably wouldn't be where they are now. For sure. Um, I also had a follow-up for Ethan Like, uh, I've only seen a couple of the games recently, but... Something or they are recent, and something that did stand out to me was just was actually the rim protection they were talking about, but um, not necessarily at the five, but like from uh, like a you know weak side rim protector position where he's like guarding like Aaron Gordon and he's helping off of him. So uh, yeah, I just want to ask you like, is it, it like do you think he's played better at the you know three four than he has at the five this year on on both sides of the ball, or is it just him picking up the slack recently compared to earlier in the season? Yeah, I think he's he's definitely he's more of a, a four uh, offensively and a four three defensively. I would say he's definitely better on the perimeter. Uh, he's been I want to say slightly better when it comes to like sliding over and offering some weak side rim protection. I mean, from the last game against the Nuggets, there was a, a nice block on Jokic he had uh, as a helper, and there are some possessions where. I mean, he looks better vertically. I mean, he does he does the, the the things correctly. It's still up and down. It's still not like the he's not very consistent or impactful. But he's made so many improvements. I mean, even I don't remember which team it was uh, against, but he there was a, a a game earlier in the season where there was a transition uh, play, and Zion got a a wide open dunk, and Jabai was in the corner. And didn't do anything to stop it. He had a really annoying tendency, especially as a rookie, to to kind of like to make like a bit, a lack of defensive uh, to like not give the effort or make the play he should. Let's say lose his men for a, and then somebody is open for free 
and he hits the, the shot and Jabari is like, what? What? Like, what? Like he's uh, with, with his hands up, like he doesn't understand and uh, all of that. But now, I mean, so there was that play and a couple of games later, there was a transition uh, opportunity for, again, I don't remember the team. And he kind of got dunked on, but he actually helped and he tried to help and he's being more active as a defender. So that's been massive. I would say offensively, he's a four. I do want to see him just a bit more as a five, as an experiment uh, offensively, because I mean, imagine like playing him against a drop big that's like open freeze for days. It's really a, a tough problem for, for, defense, for the defense. But defensively, he's definitely more of a perimeter player. Yeah, very fair assessment of Jabari. And I, yeah, definitely going to watch out for just, you know, him perimeter versus rim protection. I mean, if his defense can level up to where he's a really good player on that end, and then, you know, what he brings offensively in terms of shooting at that size and like having the ability to put the ball on the floor, he's going to be a really good player for them, too. They're, yeah, they have a lot of really interesting young guys that I'm personally um, pretty high on. Jabari, not so much, but, you know, I, I got to keep watching um, for him a little bit more. Um, yeah. Josh, you have any other questions you want to ask? Yeah. I mean, I guess just looking forward to the rest of the season, obviously Houston's gotten off to a great start, but do you think they, they can get any better? Like as the season goes on, um, you know, like in, in what kind of way do you think that could happen? Or do you think that, you know, the, the start is, uh, you know, or they can get worse in some, in some, you know, certain aspects, like what's your projection for the rest of the season? A lot of people have made a comparison to Utah from last year. Uh, that Utah started off really, really strong. They had what, the best record in the West after 10 games or something like that. And then they uh, fell off uh, after the trade deadline, mainly. But I think people are missing the point there with that they traded a lot of uh, players because they wanted to lose. Uh, if the Rockets, I think one of the main ways they can improve is actually winning some close games. They have a, a top 10 net, net rating, but they are only 8 and 6 because they have lost. They lost the Spurs game, which it was in, in OT. They lost the Nuggets by a couple of points, the Lakers, the Clippers, and they were leading the Clippers by, uh, by 5 with 2 minutes remaining. Just the ability to close games, that would really help the team. When it comes to the overall level of play, I think they can improve offensively. I w want to say that they will, especially with Jalen Green, just being more featured in the offense more consistently and uh, really contributing there. Jabari Smith maintaining his play and just everyone figuring out how to play with each other. Defensively, I will be... I mean, I do think they will fall off a bit. It's going to be some shooting luck. It's going to be teams learning to attack them. I mean... Uh, Shengun, for example, th there has been an issue that if you get a foul on him or two, which is not that how to do, suddenly he's not as active, he's not like con he's not protecting the paint as well. Like things can figure out ways to attack the Rockets once they have more film on them. But I mean, I a good sign there is that when the Rockets played the same team in a, a similar time span, that usually tells you a bit about the coach and how well they adjust. And the Rockets beat, the, I mean, against the Kings and against the Nuggets in the second game, they blew them out after winning the first one. So that was impressive and a really positive sign. Um, I'm just hoping, to me, my prediction is that I do think they're going to, because of the the defense give them such a high flow and because they have an, a, an offensive style, I do think they will be, at, at the very least, in the playing territory until the very end. I do think they will make the playing tournament 
and push some team with high expectations out, which uh, <laughs> that would cause a mess for sure. But um, uh, how good? I'm not so sure. They can be, yeah, I mean, so far they've been top five team in the West just by how they played. Probably won't stay top five. But really, I mean, I don't want to rule them out anymore. I was too low on them to start the season. I didn't get used to the winning until like the fifth game of the winning streak. So I was, I'm, I'm just going to let them a chance to to show them, show me what they got because uh, who knows? I mean, let, let's just enjoy. This is really, a, this might be the only season where this is really like a carefree season in the way that there are no expectations put on them. If they do well, it's an amazing, it's amazing. It's a surprise. It's awesome. If they don't do well, then well, I mean, that the goal was just to get com- competitive starting maybe even next year suddenly there will be expectations they will be comparing them to the su- success of last season and there will be pressure on the team to continue to improve now let's just let's just have fun playing with house muddy right now houston rockets that's what they're doing um yeah hey thank thank you for sharing all your knowledge on the houston rockets i mean this was great hearing all this you know the all the little tidbits and all these these plays that you just recall from the top of your head. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, thank you for sharing all your knowledge on the, the Houston Rockets. Um, do you have any like writing work or any other work you do on the Houston Rockets that you want to plug for yourself? I did write uh, on the Apollo Rockets before uh, Apollo Houston, before the season uh, started. I kind of stopped now because I'm, I'm a bit busy with work and everything, but I might continue uh, eventually. And uh, thank, thank you for having me. It was, it was a great time. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of the Beyond the Arc podcast. Make sure to subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Arc 8. And also make sure to follow our guest, Itamar, at Itamar underscore 17 underscore 10 on Twitter. Thank you for listening.